Hey, if you want to scale any business that you have far more profit and a far better lifestyle, you're going to want to watch today's show. In fact, it's one of the favorite ones I've done so far. You're going to learn about a deep psychological block that stops many entrepreneurs from growing businesses that are scalable, that give them a lot of profit and freedom. You need to know about these psychological blocks. Very few people teach about them. But they're the real reason that most business owners don't go to the levels that they could. In the show, I also suggest some strategies that I reckon are pretty decent for unblocking a business and producing scale very quickly, producing profit very quickly, and producing a far easier life for the business owner really quickly. Check it out. Hi, and welcome to this week's show. And I am really excited. I am working with Dave. I met Dave and his wife about a year ago or a year and a half ago, and excellent people. So welcome, Dave. Thanks, Perry. Good to be here. So just you got into your business, which is a building business, in 2012. Is that correct? Uh, I started my first carpentry business in 2012, and then that progressed into my building company, uh, which kicked off, started 2015. Aha, 2015. And you have a plan to sell your business in, what is it, four or five years? Yeah, so it'll be uh, 2000, April 2024. That will be my um, 40th birthday and I figure that's a, a great little life milestone and also one to, to celebrate a, a pretty big business milestone as well at the same time and throw a great big party. So, yes, that's the plan. And when you sell your business, are you going to go travel for four or five months, or what do you plan to do? I yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's going to be to sell the to sell the business. Um, definitely take some time off with the family. We took a year sabbatical, two thousand and ten, two thousand eleven. My wife and I pre kids, and it was honestly one of the best things we've ever done to date. And I guess that's driving me on this journey, that that ultimate freedom again. And then once we get to that stage, um, we'll probably just look up setting a, a purpose-built um, development company or something along the lines of that and just purely work with JV partners or just our own equity partners and just do sort of speckies and everything like that going forward. Great. Good. Okay. Well, I'm a bit excited about the subject because it falls into one of my core skill sets, which you'll get to see soon. Um, And that's about how you build a business out so it gives you a good lifestyle and you can sell it for a lot of money. Because uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that a business that gives you a good lifestyle will sell for a lot more money than a business that doesn't give you a good lifestyle. So, and when we talk about a business that gives you a good lifestyle, it means it's making you good profit 
and you don't have to work all the time for that profit, meaning you've got free time to do the things that you love. And so the core principle is if uh, a business owner does not, uh, an investor does not want to buy a business that gives them a job. You get that, Dave? Yeah, correct. Right. So, you know, and again, let's just get to the core of things. Most people, when they set up a business, set up a business around themselves and they end up having to do everything in their business. And then there are operational inefficiencies. Business owners get tired, burnt out. And because of the roadblocks and their operational inefficiencies, uh, there's, there's just not the profit that there can be when a business is set up to give a person more free time. Uh, that means that we've got to have systems and teams in place. Um, but, and we'll probably be dealing with this a bit today, most people's mindset won't allow them to make that transition easily. So, Dave, are you interested in getting more free time, more profit from your building business? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay. So we had a quick chat before we started the show and you talked about one of your challenges is that you often don't have enough lead flow because you rely on word of mouth and you'll be working on jobs often so you can't market and then that lead flow means that you're quoting on smaller number of jobs and how does that leave you feeling when you're quoting on on like fewer jobs yeah it's certainly um anxiety provoking anyway you could say it it's very easy to it's very easy to get overwhelmed in those situations especially when you're sort of allocating a lot of your focus and attention elsewhere and then and then coming home and sort of expecting to to push all that aside and and put a fresh brain in and and start doing those other tasks that certainly require a lot more uh, thought process because, yeah, when you are doing those types of quotes and stuff like that, if in this game, if you if you miss something here or there, it, it could be the, the case of thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars anyway. So Wow, yeah, I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective and I really get that. If you're on the tools all day, it's a very physical job and then you're coming back and you're you're having to do quotes, it would be very easy, you're right, to make mistakes. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the other aspect with that, and I really get that, very important thing to take into account, uh, it actually makes quoting, quoting dangerous, doesn't it, in some way when you do it after hours, after you've worked all day? Yeah, definitely. It doesn't set you up for success anyway, doing it that way, and, and it's also, it doesn't, Things are going to change because it doesn't give you that that quality time anyway with the the wife and kids and everything like that. Because even if you do come home and and block out an hour or two with them over dinner dinner and bedtime and stuff like that, you you do know it's it's sort of hanging over you to get to sit down and, and chip away at a few things, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not funny you're saying that. So I was preparing, uh, critiquing some copy for a one-day workshop that I'm going to be running up on the Gold Coast, called the Freedom Formula, 
which is about building a business that runs separately from you. And in the one of the bullet points, I'd mentioned that you can't be present with your family. And that's what you're talking about. It's like you've just got so much on when you build a business around you that when you're with your family, you can't be really there with them fully because in the back of your mind, you've got to go, oh, I've got to get that done. I've got to get this done. Jeez, I need to get that done. So, And, and then when you're doing those things, you're thinking, oh, I should be with my family, right? <laughs> you can't be present. And when you are with the family, it's, it's, it's very, I guess, another difficult one is um, yeah, just, just switching out of that, that problem-solver mindset anyway and, and yeah, your tolerance certainly does get tested with the little ones and that's when you really start beating yourself up sort of behind closed doors because you'd, you'd snap sort of here and there and think, well, why are you carrying on like this? Because it's just completely unnecessary or the wife would come to you with X problem and you or you just say, well, look, you need to do this, this, and it's, it's solved while we're even talking about this. But... I'm sure you'll have probably plenty of female listeners that would be... Yeah, they just want to be able to talk and have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And by the way, I'm just thinking as, as we talk, like I know you and I know you're just a profound family man. Your, your whole reason, even for being in business, is to do this for your family. But, you know, just the guilt that gets set up when you end up building the business around yourself and you're working too much and just based on what you just said then, you feel guilty about not being the, the father and husband that you could be, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, just interesting that uh, I've worked with a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs and they get that sort of guilt way more than the men do because you can imagine, imagine a lady with children in your situation, right? The mother, she's running a business and she just feels guilty all the time. She feels guilty because she... When she's away from her children, she feels guilty about how she's treating her children. And when she's with her children, she feels guilty about not looking after the business or not dealing with the staff. They, they sort of, I suppose it's because of the mother nurturing load, but they really cop it emotionally when they've got a business built around them. And, and, and by the way, I just want to say, this is one of the reasons I'm passionate about teaching, about building a business to run separately from the business owner, because, you know, this isn't, to what Dave and I are talking about. It's like if you don't, it impacts your family life so greatly, just so greatly. So, okay, that's great, Dave. Now let's just go to that core thing then. So we know that when you come back at the end of the day from working on the tools and you've got quotes to do, we already know that that's, you're not going to be as good at it because you're tired. Uh, it's going to, you're going to be grumpy. You're not going to be as good with your family. But also you'll get pressed on margins in that way. So we're just going to talk about that because, again, key principle, if you're working on the tools, this doesn't just apply to a building business. It applies to any business. If the, the owner, if all their time spent up delivering, what delivering off the back of their marketing, that means that when they're delivering, there's no time for marketing. Yeah, correct. Right, get it? There's no time for marketing. And then what happens then is lead flow is uh, slower, way slower, and you can't position properly, which we'll talk about in a second. But, you know, if you've, got, if you've only got two leads that you're doing quotes for, that in itself will cause anxiety, right? 
Yeah, correct. Right. And then what that will also do is if, if they want to crunch you on the margins because you don't have more deals in the pipeline, you're going to go, well, I have to take this. Mm. I can't know what deals in the, you get me? Yeah. Right. So b- both those things start to set up anxiousness and you don't get what you deserve. Now, for those listening, Dave is a perfectionist. This guy is, you know, he's one of those guys that just wants to do everything he does. He wants to do it 10 out of 10. Now, that's true, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, definitely. Yep. And that, that's part of the problem. We're going to get into this in a second, right? Because sometimes perfectionists become control freaks and they can't let go because when they do everything themselves, they know they can do it really, really well. And so it, it's scary to let go of that. Now, I'd say that's going on for Dave a little bit. I don't know for sure yet. We're going to go in and check, but let's just get to the key strategic principles. So, Dave, just conceptualise for a second this. Yep. You had a marketing partner, okay, or you could be the marketing person, just regardless. Now, we'll use a marketing partner. You have a, a marketing partner, and that marketing partner is out in the marketplace positioning your expertise constantly. They're talking about your value systems, how you're a perfectionist. They're displaying testimonials of people who are saying, oh, Dave's just incredible. The work that that he did is amazing. And let's just say that your positioning, your marketing positioning sort of stating, look, I'm not the cheapest, but I'm a perfectionist and anything that I do will be of the highest quality and is going to last for years. So first of all, what kind of buyers does that market positioning attract? Not your first home buyers anyway, but just generally your, your second, your third time round home builders anyway, families, potentially downsizers as well, looking to go into their forever home and people that are just looking to invest a bit more in that, that home well built. Great. So what we're seeing here is that kind of marketing position sets you up for quality buyers, not price buyers. Price buyers are more interested in price and quality. Quality buyers are interested in quality and will pay more for it, right? We agree? Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. So just imagine you had that marketing partner who was positioning your business in that way and you just worked on the tools eight hours a day, seven hours a day, nine hours, whatever it is with your team, and that was happening simultaneously while you were working, which means right, that you might have, say, at any one time, let's just imagine, I don't know, I don't know the building game well enough, but you may have, you know, 30 leads at one time that you're quoting on. Yeah. Okay. So all of a sudden, what's that done for your anxiety levels? It certainly... uh put them a little bit more at ease anyway. I guess that's what I'm still discovering about myself as well, if it is purely just as a result of that or, I mean, I know there are other times when it it sort of creeps into your persona when things are busy and you're running around like a a headless chook as well. So it's... uh, yeah, well, we'll get into that. We'll go and look at anxiety. Like you can have anxiety for no reason whatsoever just because we've been programmed to have anxiety. We'll come back and check that. But mm. just, just stay with us. If you did have constant lead flow, meaning that, you know, you're never at work thinking you've got too many clients, you've got too many prospects, okay? Just think about that. You've got too many prospects because your marketing's working really well. Mm. 
How does that make you feel? Yeah, very good. Excited. It enabled yep. me to, um, yeah, because the marketing side of things and then the next step sort of going forward is next year I want to dilute myself from those on-site activities and, and being on the tools and, and look at having a, a project manager slash leading hand to take care of that side of things. And in doing that, well, then I'll immediately get back sort of six to eight hours a day to, to focus on a lot of these other income-producing activities sort of more so full-time. Great. So then based on what we're just talking about, you would not employ someone to do the marketing. You would do the marketing yourself and you would have your project manager and your team building and you're going to do, do checkups and stuff. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, correct. Okay, yeah, so right. it would be a lot more, lot more systemised and, um, yeah, the, right. but rather than sort of rushing around to to be on site every morning at 7 o'clock to make sure Joe Blow's showing up with Joe, whoever, yeah, to be more so just having those those set hours a week, each week, so I know exactly when I'm doing that week in, week out, and then out of the noble, I think things would flow a lot better anyway. Right. Shit's all about. Great. So what then what I want to do, I want to agree on the strategy, right, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in and see what blocks there are within you that would slow down, limit, or stop you from implementing that strategy. Yep, sounds okay. good. Okay, so I'm just going to stick with the key principle, and this is, I'm going to get your okay on it to the listeners and viewers as well. So key principle that I'm working with here is this, that if, well, first of all, if you're in your business and you, uh, you know, you market and your market, your successful marketing means that you as the business owner gets really, really busy and therefore all of a sudden you can't market, that will impact your business greatly and your psychology because you're so busy delivering that you can't market and when you finish delivering you go oh well I don't have enough prospects there's not enough lead flow coming in and you rush out and you're marketing again and then the marketing works you get successful but when it's not even successful because when you get successful you lose all your time and you've got to get back into delivering so I don't consider anything that eats time up it puts me in the success frames. So all of a sudden, marketing's been successful, so I'm delivering again, I'm delivering. And in this case, it's Dave. He's building, he's building, he's building. The marketing's not happening. He's got no lead flow again. So he's got to rush out and get some more clients on. But that creates also a desperation because if you don't have lead flow, you can be manipulated by price buyers. Because the moment you don't have lead flow, you are desperate. So what we're talking about now is building out team so that marketing is happening 24 hours a day, 352 days of a year. And the marketing positioning is based on quality, not price. A lot of testimonial proving that, as an example, Dave is a quality producer. So he will attract a lead flow of buyers that aren't price orientated, are quality orientated. And because he's got a lead flow, what will happen that are, that are, are quality buyers, not price buyers, all of a sudden he won't have the same anxiety. He'll feel really confident. He would have worked out his stats, so he'll work out maybe might be 30% of leads come that he quotes, he gets. So there's a security in his income and he can't be manipulated because if someone wants to go for a lower price, he doesn't care. 
He goes, no, I'm not doing that because he's got all these other people coming through the pipeline. So mm-hmm. in that, now let's just move on from this because there are way more advantages to this than, than you know, might be immediately evident. So the first one is if, if Dave's just looking after the marketing, doing the quotes, customer relationship building, and he's got a project manager that he can trust implicitly to make sure that the things are delivered properly and effectively, he is going to experience way less stress because he's only doing three roles. So if you only do three roles, and usually most entrepreneurs are only involved in two or three roles, those two or three roles you become a super expert at and you don't do anything else. And what happens for the body mind is that when you just do those two, three things, you do them really well, you become really expert at them, they become very easy for you and that decreases the stress in the body mind system. Now, the opposite of that is the business owner who has to do six roles. Now, you would have experienced this. What's it like, Dave, when you have to do, you do the building, look after the staff, look after the marketing, look after the books. How stressful is that? Yeah, it's definitely, you can you can only expel yourself sort of so far. You, you hit a glass ceiling pretty quick anyway and uh, limit, your, limit your growth. It, it sort of wears down your, your motivation and in doing that, that has obviously other flow-on effects to friends and family and how you come across. So. Correct, and you don't do the things as well. Now, another thing, so we we'll, we'll to agree that this would be a good strategy for you. As I said, we're going to come and look at the blocks. I'll just finish this off. The other aspect with this approach, if Dave was just doing the quoting, the marketing, the relationship building, there are three activities that produce money. This is really important to say again. There are three activities that produce money. See, in reality, delivering doesn't produce money. It's an expense, right? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, definitely. Right? And so if we look at your business, you spend more time delivering the, in the expense area. Get me? This is a really important thing to understand. And not enough time in what makes money, which is sales and marketing. Get me? Right. Yep. So what happens is whenever a business is cash strapped, I know that they're not that they're either their marketing's not working, or, and this is usually the case, there's not enough time spent in marketing. So the the, the quickest way to shift a company's cash flow is to look at what the owner's doing and what the staff are doing, and then divert their attention away from those tasks and put them into marketing. And automatically what we'll see is increased revenue. Now, in this case of Dave, if he's out there and he's doing all the marketing and selling, that means the money's coming in, a lot more money's coming in, and he's not delivering it, someone else is delivering it. So now he's moving from being a service provider to an entrepreneur. His project manager is delivering. Dave will still be involved with double-checking things. But now what we're starting to look at is a business that's more entrepreneurial and has what we call operational efficiencies. See, can you see this, Dave, that if you were just spending six to eight hours a day marketing and selling and building relationships and quoting, 
that that means that you can deal with a lot of quotes, can't you? Yeah, correct. Right? So that area of your business is unblocked. And now because you don't have to go doing the building and someone else is overseeing that, that area of the business is unblocked. So you've got operational efficiencies and you cannot scale a business without operational efficiencies. I feel like yelling that and screaming it, right? And this is the problem for business owners who are afraid, and we're going to get into that in a second, of building themselves out of all the different roles in the business. So they're holding on for grim death, thinking, well, I can't afford to do this. I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't do this because of this, that, and the next thing. Not understanding that the moment you do that, you've become a roadblock in your business. Dave's now a roadblock in his business because he can't concentrate on the thing that makes money, building, uh, sorry, marketing and selling because he's too busy building. Okay, so... Great. So, Dave, can you see conceptually that it would be really good for you, and you're already thinking about it anyway, I know that because of our conversation, about bringing someone on to take care of the business, sorry, the building side of things, and so you can concentrate on marketing and selling? Yeah, definitely. Right, great. Now, and this is everyone listening, you know, I uh, work with lots of entrepreneurs and I've worked with lots of investors. For the most part, the strategy is the easy bit. Like what I've just said makes sense, doesn't it, Dave? Yeah, definitely. Right. The problem, and we'll probably start to dig into this a bit with Dave, I don't know exactly what blocks there are, but most people are blocked. The way they think and what they believe stops them from setting up businesses so that they have operational efficiency so they can be scaled and so that the business owner can work way less and make more money, okay? It's, it's the psychological blocks that uh, stop people doing it. So, Dave, um, and, and by the way, it is scary. I get scared when I do it too. Like, there's always a leap of faith. I suppose I've done it a lot, so I'm probably a lot more comfortable with it than some people, but it's always scary because all of a sudden taking on more team members produces greater ex- ex- expenses and there's usually a lag time. Like you bring a team member on and it might not be a month, it might be two months to three months before that uh, extra team member um, and what get, what happens in the business by, as a result of bringing that, that extra team member in, it might be two, three months before the profit comes back. It'll come back more than it was before, but there's usually the lag time, right? So it it can be fearful. So, Dave, do you know, because you know I'm going to go in and look, (laughs) but you might already know. Uh, We'll start with one that we both know. I know that you'll have a bit of of, there's mistrust. Um, It it would be hard for you to trust team members, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, well, let's just look at this as a pattern. You, you, you as a human being, you, you can really rely on yourself, can't you, Dave? Yeah, definitely. And also you are the person who is, you're, you're what we call over-responsible. I am too, <laughs> by the way. It's a very good thing to be, meaning you'll stand up. If something needs to be done, you'll stand up and do it, won't you? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, I guess it's just old school teaching, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's more than that. 
But it's a beautiful thing. I, I think it's good to be over-responsible, but you're, it makes you a good dad, by the way. But you'll go to step in and to solve problems. Solving problems will be something that you will just naturally start doing, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, I want to, because I want to give you some breakthroughs if we can. Because, yes, it is part of old school thinking, um, but it, it, there's probably other elements going on there which we'll go and have a look at. Just bear with me for a second. So, okay. Yeah, okay. Is it easier for you to support or get support? Um, support others as a as a business figure, or or get no, no just as a person in in life. Are you the supporter, or do you get support, or are you fairly well balanced with that? Um, yeah, probably pretty well balanced. Like I, I love. Um, I love the mentorship learning side of things, but then if there's um, group situations or something like that, like outside of work and I don't know, it might be at the gym, for example, or something like that, there might be group activities or something going on, I I generally have to try and take control then because I prefer being in control rather than... um, being told what to do in those scenarios, but right, right, I love that. We'll get that. We'll get to that. The other thing, then. So I do know this about you. I know that you will be like this. Um, you are a person who learns things by doing, and you are capable of doing a lot of things well. Would that be true? Yeah. Is both are both those things true that you yeah, learn correct. by doing? Yep. 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 Okay. So you are an I can person, yeah, and you can do a lot of different things, right? Yep. Yep. Now I'm going to say right now. By the way, I, I was that in my past. I still am that, but I just don't do that anymore. Hmm. Right. Before I go where I'm going to go, so someone that's got a narrow skill set, they're not I can people. They've got their narrow skill set and <laughs> they're hopeless at other things. Okay? Yeah. You know that type of person? No, not at all. You don't know people like that? Uh, actually, sorry. No, I was, thought you were referring to me. Um, no, yeah, I know you're not like that. Yeah. yeah, no, I know plenty of people like that. Okay, well, guess what? They're better off as entrepreneurs. Yeah, got to. Right, so you know where I'm going with it. They'll just delegate straight away. Well, yeah, they don't. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh, I don't know anything about that. That's mm. not my thing. I can't do that. They don't want to do it. Mm. You and the, and me when I was younger, oh, there's a website to build. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. I can do that. And then you're studying and you're learning. Oh, I'll look after the books. I want to know how. And all these things are great because you grow and evolve. But can you see the problem with that? Yeah, certainly wastes a lot of time. <laughs> wastes a lot of time. So if we come back to what we were saying before, if you had three roles and the three roles to concentrate are, are marketing and selling and building relationship, which is all part of marketing and selling, that's where the money comes from. And being good at bookkeeping, being good at anything else in your business 
or you've got to have building expertise because that's what you, you get where I'm going with this. Yeah. That just takes you out of the things that you should be doing. So I can people will do things themselves and they build themselves into every activity in the business and therefore they don't build team. And because they don't build team, their times are taken away from the high-dollar productive activities, marketing and selling, and there's less cash flow in the business, right? So you get the madness in that. Yeah. All right. Where if you were just a really good builder, then what you would have is you'd go, well, I'm no good at marketing. I'm going to build, bring in someone to do the marketing. Oh, I'm no good at the books. So I'm going to bring some administration. I'm going to bring someone to do the books. Okay. Yeah. And once you do that, you've got operational efficiencies because you're doing what you're already good at, they're doing what they're already good at, and the other person's doing what they're already good at, and you've got someone that's marketing all the time. Now, what you'll be doing in your, in your future is you'll be doing the marketing, and you'll be good at it because I think that's something that would fall within your skill set. But you'll have to let go of the I can. Yeah, now, does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Now, so I can people... Just so you know, that's a dangerous thing to be because of the things that I've just pointed out. Now, the other aspect for, for, for Dave is I can people are usually very um, proficient, meaning they're highly capable people. So highly capable people that are I can people who have a wide-ranging skill set uh, can often get frustrated with other people because they feel that they can do it better than others. Does that make sense, Dave? Yep. Yep. Now, um, that, and that may be the point. You may be better than someone else. But sometimes that doesn't matter. Again, if you employ someone to do uh, activities in your business that are required to run your business so that you don't have to do them, even though they're not as good as you at those activities, they're still freeing you up to concentrate on the high-dollar productive activities in the business. Does that make sense? And in this case, I'm going to bring it back to marketing and selling. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Right. So it doesn't matter that they're not as good. And And typically, usually... They are as good, right, mm. or will be as good. I prefer to, to only employ experts, but that becomes an unconscious block, meaning it's an unconscious justification for not handing tasks on. Got me? Yeah, definitely. Now, and especially with someone like Dave who, who is a perfectionist, um, and, again, this is really important. I'm going to say this. Being a perfectionist is really important. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, by the way, if anyone wants to employ a builder, you want to employ Dave because he's a perfectionist, right? Can you see that that's an asset, Dave? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. But it will get dysfunctional when it gets applied to areas of the business where perfection is not an absolute necessity because perfectionists will tend to try to be perfectionist everywhere. Make sense? Yep. And, again, when things aren't perfect, they'll be angry, so they'll want to control, they won't want to let go. And if you mistrust others, you'll go, and we're going to go to that in a second, if there's mistrust, 
then what and if that's deep in the unconscious what will happen on the on the conscious levels you'll rationalize why you can't bring someone on or why they're not good enough or why they won't do the job properly does that make sense yeah you always find an excuse you're all that's where i wanted to go it's an excuse okay a, a, a personal question here dave in your life were you ever let down by people yeah absolutely yeah very much so and i think that's um yeah there's too many to name <laughs> yeah great okay so there's a pattern of betrayal and being let down that's left a wound in your system that now makes you hyper vigilant about bringing anyone on because you're scared that that will happen again okay does that make sense yep that's the wounding and so when you go to do these things in your business uh, that part of you is being triggered it will trigger the anxiety you a lot of people wouldn't connect to it they wouldn't know that it was mistrust being triggered um, and then they'll rationalize why they can't bring the person on because they don't want to have to deal with facing their own inability to mistrust but you'd have to deal with that right at its root core why don't i trust okay because if it's brought out of the unconscious it's made conscious you can now see oh i don't trust that person that's the real reason i'm trying to avoid bringing them on that's the real reason i'm saying they're not good enough does that make sense because then you get really clear about the problem it's not a, the problem's not in them at this point it's in you make sense yeah, definitely. Right. And then, because if we're projecting that people can't be trusted, we'll keep finding reasons why they can't be trusted. We won't commit to bringing them on fully. We'll be suspicious of them. But if we can see that the trust issue is ours based on past wounding, then we go, ah, I'm thinking this way about the person because I don't trust them and I don't trust people. So how do I find out whether they are trustworthy? That would be the next question. And then another question um, uh, after that would be, well, okay, I've found out, I've found out I, because past performance usually equals future performance, so it's fairly easy to find out whether someone's trustworthy. Uh, okay, so I've, I've done a lot of ringing around and double-checking and this person seems amazing. Okay, now you've still got mistrust in your system because the wound hasn't been healed, so the next phase of that would be, okay, so uh, they look trustworthy. I'm still really afraid because of the wounding in my system. Um, but how do I protect myself now? Okay, so I'm going to bring them on and I'm going to minimise the roles that they do for three months. I'm going to give them roles that if they stuff it up because they're not trustworthy, I'm not going to cop it too much. And, and uh, over those three months, if they're able to do those restricted roles really, really well, then I'll start giving them uh, uh, bigger jobs where if they don't do it properly, I'm going to get more of a whack. But because of that three months, I know that they're perfectly okay for that job. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Now, by the way, you, you get it rationally because you're a smart man. That doesn't happen until the mistrust is surfaced out of the conscious and the unconscious. You can see, oh, it's me. <laughs> it's my story. So let me find out whether this person is trustworthy or not, right? You see the difference? Mm. Yeah, right. definitely. Now, there's one other thing that I, that I want to go to, and I, I have picked this up in you, um, uh, it's funny, I, I worked with a guy yesterday, he's just sabotaging his business left, right and centre because of this. Um, in, he, he comes from a very rural background. We're man, a man, right? Mm. We're a man, a man. 
Um, and what I've observed is that this particular guy, he doesn't see the opportunities that make things easy, okay? He, he, he tends to be attracted to hard work. And, and people, people listening, they, you, until you understand psychology, you just may not get this. But we see things through the lenses of our beliefs. So we've got belief systems and we look through those belief systems and we only see things that align with those belief systems. So anything outside of those belief systems are not seen. Uh, this is confirmation bias is one name for that uh, that will support that, the reticular activating system where we see things that um, are sort of are in line with our beliefs. Mm. And we exclude information that doesn't support our belief structures. Okay. Now, you'll see where I'm going to go with this. So, Dave, um, the, there's almost a, a manly sense of pride. Now, I'm not saying you're carrying this consciously, but it's definitely in your family line. Okay, this, this, it's like, why would you get anyone else to do something? Just do it yourself. Why would you get anyone else to do it? Well, what's wrong with you? Just do it yourself. Mm. A, a, a pride. This is just how it is. You don't, does that make sense to you? Yeah, definitely. Right. So, so I want you, we're going to run a scenario. Actually, this, this is going to work. There's two things on a whack because I'm aware of time will go soon, but I just want to whack these two things. And I think we can do it this way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just go back to your childhood and just imagine some neighbours had home help. Home help did the gardens, cooked the meals. What's everyone saying about them? Uh, It'd be nice to have that type of money or something along those lines. Great. It'd be nice to have that type of money. Now, that's the words. What's the sentiment? Um, why aren't they doing it themselves? Yeah. Like, is, is the sentiment about the person living that kind of life, is it a positive one or a negative one? Oh, no, definitely negative. Okay. Now, this is really important. Just, I'm going to slow you down because it's not for you now. This is just for listeners and viewers, Dave. See, um, I, I live in an environment where home help would just be considered normal and everyone just considers it's normal, okay? Um, p- people run businesses, they're investors. So what they're doing is that where I live, that's, I live in an area where there's lots of business people. So, and, and by the way, really successful, I live in an area where there's got more multimillionaire tradesmen than any other place in the world. And, mm. and so... These people are running their operations, so to run their operations effectively, they're, they're doing some of the things that we've been talking about today, which is they're just giving off all their home tasks and all these other tasks to employees so that they can concentrate on bringing the money in. Hmm. And so I, I live in an environment where no one thinks that's weird, that's just normal and that's what would be supported. Hmm. So I, I look at my name, I'm going to support that. Uh, by the way, Dave, I grew up in the environment we're talking about where that's how I know about this stuff. Mm. We're the opposite and there's something wrong with them. What's wrong with them? What, what, what's the underlying sentiment? Yeah, it's um, why not us, I guess, as well. And, I don't know, very, very working class and just 
Why not us, right? But there, there's always the duplicity in the working class. There's a the jealousy, but mm. along with the jealousy, there is what else? Uh, resentment. Resentment. Okay. Now, what you'll feel right now as I'm working with you, can you feel a little bit of contraction happening? I know, yeah, definitely. I know where it is at the moment because that's like when you were saying the resentment there, was something that just popped up at the moment for me then. I find it very hard at the moment and it's only come on to the last few months, but it's funny when you get yourself in these situations and you and you think um, you're looking around on your social medias and stuff like that and there's probably a couple of, a handful of builders that I follow there. They're similar age to me, but in saying that they started their journey probably five years before me and they're just going absolute gangbusters but my wife's very good at a leveling leveling man saying well look you'll be probably doing 10 times the homes that they are in five years time and you've just got to give yourself a chance but it's very hard not to get caught up in all in all that side of things but I speak to a couple of them here and there and it's funny you, you compliment people and say well look congratulations you're doing some great things online and I've really admire what you're doing and, and keep up the good work, but you never get anything back. It's like, um, I don't know if that's whole sort of male bravado thing or whatever, but, yeah, people don't take compliments too well. But, I mean, I know if someone said that to me, like I'd be over the moon for a week or something after it, but that's just me. Yeah, no, that is, I get that. I'm going to share something with you. You moved me sideways then. Okay, now you didn't mean to, uh, so I'm, I'm going to come back to it. I heard what you said, but what was going on is I'm, I'm working with you around a pattern that you're not fully wanting to see. You moved out of the pattern and took it sideways. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which is why you were feeling a bit contracted. Yeah. Okay, so we're just going to come back to this. So just bear with me. Go back to your childhood. If someone in the area had home help in the way that we just communicated, mm -hmm. people were jealous and resentful. There's yeah. hatred with it. And uh, uh, what what did they think? And I need you to do this. I know what they're thinking. Um, and I'll try and get you to, to crack this because this is far better if I can get you to crack this than me tell you. The moment I tell you, you go, yeah, you're right. So here are these people, they've got the home help. Have I guess it was just never, never an option for us because mum made that conscious decision to, to be a stay-at-home mum for 20-odd for years. But, I mean, that was some of the best memories coming back from after school and, and she was there baking whatever she was baking at the time. But, I mean, if she had gone back to to part-time, full-time work, well, the upbringing would have been very different, but um, having yeah. that additional income probably would have um, enabled them to, to do those types of things. But in saying that, I don't think I would have had it any other way. No, I, want, I, want, I want to take this elsewhere, okay? So you're not answering the question. Yep. This is not about your mum. This is not if again, <laughs> right? Just so you know, you've got a bunch of conscious strategies at the moment 
to try mm. and block yourself from seeing this. Okay? Just stay with me. If, again, just imagine a family in the street that you grew up in, they got home help, and I'll just ramp it up a little bit. They've got a the, couple of the nicest Mercedes sports cars in the um, driveway. Yep. What are people saying about them down at the local working man's club? Oh, did you see such and such with his new car? And I don't know where they get that type of money from or... Yep. Um, can can you express it? You because you you yeah. Can you express it emotionally? The tone of that. I don't know where they is it. I don't know where they get their money from, or is it? I don't know where they get their money from. Oh, it'd be exactly that. Um, Thank you. So just watch what I'm voicing, and you're not. I don't know where they're getting their money from. It's it, there's a, a derogatory tone. And what yeah. else do they feel about that family? This is really important. Um, yeah, well, they definitely they definitely resent them, but they they also portray that that's not normal. Um, no, okay, it's not normal. This is when you're getting closer. It's not normal. So, what is normal? Working hard for your money. Thank you. You're now closer to the truth about what's going on on a deep unconscious level for you. You work hard for your money. So they, I'm going to do it. You'll, as soon as I say it, because I'm just aware of time. No. As, in, as in for me, how dare I employ anyone else, whereas I should just be doing it all Correct. myself. That's in your unconscious. That's exactly one of the blocks in your unconscious. Correct. Okay. But just stay with this. Can you see down at the local club, they're saying that, that one of the underlying belief systems is they've got it too easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, see that? Yeah. In the in your cultural upbringing, if someone appeared to have it too easy, were they looked up on and up at or down on? Down. Thank you, my friend. Well, that's sitting right at the core of your unconscious. And that's even though that's from your childhood, that's still there trying to pull the strings so you don't use those strategies that I suggested earlier. Okay, because that would make things too easy. Now, just take a breath. Are you okay? You've done amazing, mate. You, you've allowed me to work quite deeply. No, I'm fine. All good. Can you see that? You get that? Yeah, definitely. Right? So this is just for the viewers. And, Dave, I know you understand the mind and conditioning. You've done a bit of personal development work. But for the viewers, we grow up in these cultures and these we take on these cultural belief systems. You may have left your, your family of origin when you were 15 and not having to do with that culture, but that culture still lives in your unconscious. And if you want to be a successful entrepreneur or investor, you've got to investigate how much of the belief system from those cultures that you grew up in are still impacting your choice making as an entrepreneur today that means you've got to go into the unconscious areas that you don't know about yourself you can see what i'm trying to do with dave get him to see things that he's not fully seeing i mean that's one of my specialized trainings i help entrepreneurs see what's in their unconscious okay dave just this let me wrap this up so can you see and also it's really interesting when we look at the working class and you know this that those people that were angry and resentful and thought they had it too easy right mm. um 
Well, in reality, that family didn't have it too easy. And you know that, and I know that. They had home help, they had nice cars, but they'd worked really hard to get the success that they had for the most part. They weren't lazy people, we know that. But if you grew up in the working class, that person was looked on as a pariah, Something, something's wrong with them. They just get things way too easy. Now, I just find that the funniest mentality because I want things to come to me easily. I want things to come to me easily. What's wrong with things coming to me easily? Imagine hating people because things came to them too easily. Don't we want things to come to us easily, right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't always, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? So that programming and I'm, it, is, it is definitely in there. Can you see that? I haven't given you the full. It's a show, so I'm not here to do my deep work. But can, can you see there's a highly like a high likelihood that that's the belief system that's still sitting in there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hey, Dave, I have loved working with you today. As I said earlier, I really, I really respect you and your wife. Thank um, you. One of the reasons I've really loved working with you is, you know, I like it when we can do strategic work and work in the unconscious, and you've allowed me to do both. So I really thank you and I hope you got a lot from it. Definitely. I sure did. Thanks a lot for your time today, Perry. No problem. Thank you, everybody. I hope you got a lot from today's show. I really enjoyed working with Dave. You can probably tell. Now, you can see at the end of the show, Dave sort of struggling a little bit to connect with an unconscious belief system about making money easily. Now, the problem with not seeing and identifying these unconscious belief systems is they will control you from the unconscious, meaning they're making decisions on your behalf and you're not even aware of it. So to become a really effective entrepreneur or investor, you need to surface these belief systems. Now, the best thing that you can do is do our whole brain wealth course, and you'll see a link below, and it will really get you on the path to becoming a highly effective entrepreneur who's free of belief systems that undermine success. The whole brain wealth course is absolutely amazing. There's no course like it. It will really help you see every unconscious belief system that you have in relationship to business, wealth, and power. So go check it out. Or alternatively, come and do a breakthrough workshop with me and one of my coaches, and we will help you see the blocks that are happening for you. Again, you'll see the link below. Catch ya.